the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, uh, this is Let Us Reason, and I'm your host, Al Fadi. Hope you're having a blessed day. I'm excited uh, to uh, tell you that uh, our dear brother uh, Sam Shimon will be with us uh, yet again uh, today and hopefully in uh, weeks to come, depending on his availability and the topics we'll be discussing. Today's topic is very important, and hopefully you will have your notepads and start taking notes because it really, um, one way or another, it will end up leading to a challenge to the Muslim people related to the person of Christ as the Word of God. And uh, what we're going to focus on today, at least, is the idea that whether the Quran is separate from God or uh, or inseparable from God. In other words, is the Quran, as the word of Allah, created, or is it an eternal part of who he is, his essence, and so on and so forth? Uh, With that said, I'm just going to introduce my fabulous guest. Uh, Sam Shimon is an apologist. Uh, You can just type the name. And uh, you'll come across tons of those uh, resources that uh, the Lord has used him to either write or uh, involve in debates or in some of the shows that he's done in the past and continue to do with our dear brother David Wood called Jesus uh, or Muhammad and many other things, of course. Um, uh, Sam also um, has uh, contributed to uh, a fabulous website called answering-islam.org and also uh, Answering Islam blog, among many other um, sites. And I'll let him basically tell you how you can get a hold of him. And also towards the end, Sam, I would love for you, brother, to tell the people how they can even bless your ministry. So I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, thank you again for having me. It's a privilege and honor to be on your show, to the use of the Lord Jesus to glorify his name. And that's why I invoke the seats of God and Father of the Lord Jesus to bless you and me to fill us with the Holy Spirit and guide us by the Spirit, to speak truth without error for the glory of Jesus Christ, not for the praise of men, and to represent Islam accurately with hopes that Muslims will get convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit to turn away from Islam and embrace Jesus as their Lord and Savior, because he's their only hope of salvation. So we trust the Lord Jesus to bless this session for his glory. So with that said, you know, ready to discuss about the Quran and its relationship to Allah and how this actually may allow Muslims to see the coherence in our belief in Jesus being fully God in essence who became flesh. This can be a stepping stone helping them see that, that there is no contradiction and it does not violate monotheism if it's properly understood and interpreted. That's wonderful. So um, uh, is there any premise you want to start with? Uh, in other words, a challenge or a myth or something that you feel like the uh, uh, the listeners need to begin the thought process based on that? 
Yeah, let me let me just unpack what Muslims believe about monotheism. There are two kinds of monotheisms out there, really. There's Trinitarian monotheism, the belief that there's only one God, but this one God eternally exists. He eternally exists as three distinct <clears throat> eternal divine persons. So in Christian theology, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're not the same person. They're distinct persons, but in perfect, inseparable fellowship, communion, and love. And they've existed together as one God before creation. Now, again, I, when we use the term person, it may communicate. So this is why it's very, very important that people go back and do some in-depth studying on these issues, because there's only so much that we can talk about in a, in a 30-minute show. <clears throat> By person, we do not mean that the Father is a flesh-and-blood human being like you and I, that he's bound to time, space, and place. That's not how we're defining the term person. By person, we mean that the Father has emotions. Now, again, when we say emotions, his emotions are not like our emotions. The Father has divine emotions. He has a divine mind, divine will, <clears throat> cognizance, right? <clears throat> he can speak and be spoken to. And so this is how we're defining the term person when we speak of the persons of the Godhead. They are three eternal relationships, personal relationships. Now, Islam, on the other hand, teaches what we call Unitarianism. Now, I need to even qualify that. I want the people who are listening to know there is a difference between what Islamic theology teaches from what the Quran actually teaches. The two are not necessarily the same. Muslim scholars, as the centuries unfolded, came up with concepts, developed the terminology and ideas that are actually foreign and contradictory to the Quran. And I argue that this concept of Unitarianism, which Muslims claim that this is the very heart of Islam, that Islam teaches Unitarianism, the belief that not only is there one being of God, one God, but there's only one consciousness, one quote-unquote person who is God. That teaching actually is not supported in either the Quran or the authentic narrations attributed to Muhammad. And that's what we're going to discuss today, because we're going to discuss specifically the Quran's relationship to God, which in Arabic, the Arabic Quran, calls the God, the Supreme God, Allah. And maybe we can do a future show, uh, brother, on whether the Arabic term Allah is an appropriate term for Christians to use when describing the true God of the Bible. But like today, that. let's just focus a little bit on, on the Quran. <clears throat> Amen. Okay, so you want me to just jump into the topic, my brother? Yes, sir. Go ahead. All right. Yeah, you and I both know, because we studied Islam quite extensively by God's grace, that in classical Islamic theology, because the majority of Muslims are Sunni Muslims, over 85% of Muslims identify as Sunni Muslims. Correct. The second largest sect would be the Shiite Muslims. So we're going to focus on the predominant sect of Islam, Sunni Islam, because again, like in Christianity, Islam is not monolithic. You have different expressions of the faith, right? Christianity of Protestantism, Catholicism, etc. Same phenomenon exists in Islam. So we're going to focus on the predominant sect of Islam. And Lord willing, in future sessions, you or I or another guest can go into some of the differences between Shiite Islam and Sunni Islam. Or Shiite Muslims, I should say, Sunni Muslims. But we're going to focus on the predominant sect. The predominant sect of Islam teaches that the Quran is the uncreated, let me emphasize, the uncreated eternal word slash speech of Allah. Kalam Allah in Arabic. Kalam Allah meaning the speech of Allah. As such, because it's the speech of Allah, it is one of his essential attributes. So the Quran is not a created thing. 
to create an entity that is separate from Allah. It is one of the very attributes of Allah, and therefore it's intrinsic, an essential part of Allah's very nature, which in Arabic would be called that. You know, they make a distinction between the nature essence of Allah and His attributes, right. and His names, Asma wa Sifat. So in Islamic theology, the Quran is the uncreated speech of Allah that became a book. So that means, in this predominant sect of Islam, <clears throat> the Quran is both eternal in one sense and created in another sense. In that, the book that you hold, the ink used to write the Arabic words, that's part of creation. That's not uncreated, that's not eternal, that's not part of the essence of Allah. But the words of the Quran, the words that you read, the words that you speak, are eternal, uncreated. So in the Quran, you have two natures united in a single entity. Sound familiar? Absolutely. Sounds like the Christian belief in the Incarnation, right? Yeah, and the Word became flesh. Yeah, so that's the difference between the two. And this is why Christians <clears throat> need to realize that when you contrast the Bible and the Quran, that's a false comparison, a false analogy. Because in Islamic theology, their view of the Quran is not the view we hold regarding the Bible. If you want to find a more apt analogy between what Muslims think about the Quran, think of Jesus as the eternal word, the Logos, who became flesh. So in our theology, the eternal word of God, the Logos in Greek, the Logos, right? Right. Became a flesh and blood human being. In Islamic theology, that word, the Logos, so to speak, became a book. So the difference is between incarnation in the flesh, and in liberation, in a book. So the Quranic, the position that Muslims hold about the Quran is the position we hold about Christ. So Christ and the Quran are a more apt analogy when communicating the truth of the faith. So this is what they believe about the Quran. <clears throat> so if you want to go to take it to the next step, because now I want to talk about some of the problems this poses for their view of Unitarianism. And let me know how we're, how, how we're doing on time, brother. We're doing now, fine. Remember, they claim that Islam upholds Unitarianism. Unitarianism is not the same as Trinitarianism. The only common link between the two is that both views hold to there being only one infinite being of God. There's only one eternal, uncreated, timeless being, creator of heavens and earth, whom we call God. Now in Islam, it says not only one being of God, but there's only one consciousness, one center of consciousness in this being. So Islam is unipersonal, so they claim. But here's the problem. The Quran, if it's the eternal, uncreated speech of Allah that became a book, the Quran contains speeches, prayers, etc. <clears throat> now, my question to, to the Muslim would be this, and these are questions I've actually asked in debate and in dialogue. Is the Quran the same as Allah? They'll say no. The Quran is not the same as Allah. The Quran is the speech of Allah. It's not identical to Him. So the Quran is not identical to Allah. All right. So Allah is uncreated. The Quran is uncreated. That sure sounds like two uncreated entities coexisting side by side. Right. So if there are two uncreated entities, then how do you maintain Unitarianism? Now, you can still maintain monotheism, the belief that there's one God, but this one God is complex in his unity. This one God is complex in the way he exists. In other words, to believe in one God doesn't preclude, does not ex exclude the possibility of this one God existing as a plurality of some kind, right? Correct. Because neither the Muslims nor the Christians nor the Jews believe that God is a singularity, meaning although he's a singular being, 
that singularity does not mean that he doesn't exist, for, for instance, with a plurality of attributes. And so the Muslim cannot maintain Unitarianism if they're going to maintain that the cross is the speech of Allah, uncreated, and yet at the same time it's not identical to Allah. So that's the first problem that they're faced with. So you're with me so far, right, brother? Absolutely. The second problem they face with, they're, they're faced with, is this. As I said, the Quran contains prayers, and you're, you're fully aware of this. As the first chapter of the Quran, Surah Al-Fatiha, is the opening prayer that Muslims recite five times a day. And you can actually confirm that fact. Is it not true that when Muslims, specifically Sunni Muslims, when they pray five times a day, they always have to start with the first chapter of the Quran, Surah Al-Fatiha? Always. Can you start a prayer without reciting chapter 1, and would that prayer be accepted if you don't recite chapter 1? No, unless, of course, you claim ignorance and you didn't know. That's a whole different story, but you, your prayer will not be accepted if you want it to, do, to be perfect. Now, so the, the audience can see where I'm going with this. It's only seven verses. So I'm going to read it, and I'm going to bring out the implications. And Lord willing, hopefully we can do an additional show because of the implications that this view of the Quran has on human responsibility, free will. Again, I can't unpack that now, but maybe in the future session we can. If the Quran is the uncreated speech of Allah, and all the events in the Quran, the events of, of Jesus' life or, or Moses or Muhammad, <clears throat> have always existed as part of Allah's speech, what implication does that have on human responsibility and predestination? So, Lord willing, maybe in the future session we can unpack that. Let me look at these seven verses real quick and bring out the implications of this prayer. It begins, in the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful. All the praises and thanks be to Allah. Notice, all the praises and thanks be to Allah, the Lord of the world, mankind, jinn, and all that exists. The most beneficent, the most merciful. The only owner of the day of recompense, or the day of judgment. I'm reading a particular English translation, Al-Ali Khan. <clears throat> you alone we worship. Notice, this prayer is directed to Allah, and... The petitioner is saying, you alone we worship, and you alone we ask for help. Guide us to the straight path. So it's now asking Allah to guide the petitioner on the straight path. The way of those on whom you've bestowed your grace, not of those who earned your anger, nor of those who went astray. Well, these are seven verses <clears throat> that form a prayer that a Muslim, specifically a Sunni Muslim, must pray every time he prays during the five designated prayers, which is one of the pillars of Islam. Now, let's bring up the implication of this. Remember <clears throat> that this is supposed to be an eternal, uncreated prayer, correct? Correct. Okay, so that means this prayer existed before creation. This prayer existed as a part of the very nature of Allah, His God. It's an intrinsic aspect of His, of his being. My question is, who is praying this prayer in eternity before creation came into being. Obviously. Who was invoking Allah and saying, you alone we worship, you alone we ask for help, guide us on the straight path? That's definitely, that? that's definitely a dilemma, because it's either Allah talking to himself or another separate entity from him talking to him. Okay, well, now let's bring up the implication that's Allah. Allah's praying this. Okay, well, then Allah's saying, all the praises and thanks be to Allah, the Lord of the world, the only owner. You alone we worship. So Allah is saying, you Allah is the only one we worship. We, 
So Allah speaking to Allah in the plural and saying, we, Allah speaking, worship you, Allah alone. Does that make sense? Or does this sound like a schizophrenic entity? Yeah, unless you explain it in separate entities, uh, there is a problem. You got it. Yeah, it's a definite problem, especially when Allah uh, goes on to say, guide us to the straight path, the way of those on whom you bestowed your grace. So it cannot be Allah praying this. Well, then what if someone says, well, no, see, Allah, in anticipation of creation, right? This prayer isn't Allah praying, but his servants would pray after he creates them. So this prayer anticipates the existence of Muslims, Muslims who Allah will eventually create and will pray this to Allah. Well, that poses another problem. This, Allah, this poses the problem. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, okay. Allah is dependent on people. Ah, you got it. See, you read my mind. See, great minds think alike. Just kidding. <laughs> Everything good is from the Lord, he gets the glory. So this raises the dilemma of Allah needing creation to be what he is, to be perfect and complete. So that means the speech of Allah depends on creatures in order to actualize it and make it what it is. But since this speech is a part of Allah, that means Allah is now dependent on creation to, to actualize his attributes, to make them a reality, to make them complete and perfect. Therefore, Allah is no longer self-sufficient. He needs creation to be what he is. See the problem? Yep. Uh, it's a huge problem. And let me just uh, uh, summarize everything for our listeners. If you're joining right now, you're listening to Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi, with me here, our dear brother, uh, Sam Shimon. And we're talking about the dilemma of Islam related to the Quran. Is it uh, the Word of God in separate from him, same essence, basically, or is it separate from God? And the implication of that in terms of evangelism and, of course, in terms of how that leads, hopefully, uh, bridging into uh, uh, the doctrine of the Word of God and uh, the incarnate of our Lord Jesus Christ. Exactly. So, again, uh, how am I doing on time so I can just uh, determine how much material I can cover? I would say we or... have we have about uh, eight minutes, give or take. Okay, good. Well, then we can we'll look at another problem. And Lord willing, like I said, if the Lord puts it in your heart, we we'll do another show for the benefit of the audience to go we, a little more we deeper. Will do a follow up. We will do a follow-up next week, uh, certainly. Okay. Excellent. Glory to God. Let me show you another problem with the Quran being the uncreated speech of Allah, and therefore a part of Allah. Here's the other problem. Since the Quran becomes a book, so the term would be in liberation, becomes a book, not incarnate, doesn't become flesh per se, but it does become material. The speech of Allah takes on material form. <clears throat> now, the other question I ask the Muslim is, is what kind of speech is the Quran? Is it human speech? No. Is it angelic speech? Of course not. It's divine speech, right? It's godly speech. It's the speech of Allah. In other words, what is the essence and nature of the Quran? Well, the Quran is divine. The Quran is quote-unquote deity. In other words, it's divine speech. The reason why I say that is because this is similar to John 1, 1 where it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, which in the Greek means a specific person called God, whom we know to be the Father of our Lord Jesus. Then the third clause literally says, and God was the Word. Get any good commentary in John or Greek grammar, and they'll tell you that the way John worded the third clause of John 1-1, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, obviously, Spirit moved him to do this. Here, the word God is used to stress the nature, the essence, and the qualities of the Word. So it's basically saying, as to his nature, the Word was deity. As to his nature, the Word was fully divine. As to his nature, the Word was God. So that's the nature of the Word. 
and that word became flesh. The same thing can be said about the Quran, that in the beginning was the word, i.e. the Quran, and the word was with God, i.e. Allah, and the word was God in essence, and the word became a book. So you have the Quran that's now becoming part of the material creation. Therefore, if the Quran is divine, then you have divinity becoming material. So if God's speech, Allah's speech, can become material, why can't God become flesh? Right. Can, can the Muslim who's listening, hopefully they'll call in or send you a question and objection. I'd really like to hear the answer to this. If the Quran is divine in essence, fully divine, not partially divine, fully divine. In other words, the Quran has to be God in essence, right? That means by the Quran becoming a book, you're basically saying, whether you want to admit it or not, God became a book because the Quran, if it's uncreated, separate from creation, fully divine, Therefore, you have God in a book, whether they want to admit it or not. I know they, they're not going to be comfortable with that terminology. They're, they won't even use that terminology because they'll think it's blasphemous, but this is the inescapable conclusion of their position. So if this divine, uncreated, eternal entity can become a book, why can't the divine, uncreated, eternal entity become flesh without ceasing to be God? Why? That's a very good question. And, you know, Sam, since uh, we have about maybe three minutes left, uh, why don't you give us a teaser about next week, and then I want you, brother, to tell people how they can get a hold of you and how can they bless your ministry as well. Yes. Well, uh, Lord willing, next week will impact the implications that the Quran being uncreated has on human choice. Uh, For example, if you read chapter 111 of the Quran, the Quran curses someone called Abu Lahab, which tradition says was the uncle of Muhammad. And it says, perish the two hands of Abu Lahab and perish he. Lord willing, in the next session we'll unpack the Surah more fully, but quickly, here the, the chapter is condemning Abu Lahab and his wife to hell. Now here's my question. Since this Surah, this chapter, is eternal uncreated, that means Allah, in eternity before creation, was cursing and condemning two individuals to hell, even before their existence. Do you see the implication here? Right. What in the world is Allah doing, cursing and damning two creatures, a husband and wife, to hell, even before they exist, even before they had done anything? Now, if you say, well, he foresaw what they would do, then we have the problem of Allah's speech dependent on the actions of creatures. And those creatures are affecting and influencing the way the Quran will take shape. So Allah is not independent from creation. In other if you words, say, well, this is determined, then there you go. Right, <laughs> so we're, we're talking about the destiny of the Muslim people. Yes, you got it. So this is going to bring out serious challenges and objections to what we call theodicy as well as sovereignty and human responsibility. So Lord Lloyd will unpack it in the next next bill. But if people want to find more of this kind of material, then all they need to do, as you suggested, is to go to answering-islam.org. You can also go to answeringislam.net. And we have a section, Individual Authors, and we have various contributors. And by the grace of God, I've become the chief uh, contributor to the website since 99. So you can look up Sam Shamoon, and you'll find many of my articles discussing similar topics and discussing this topic in particular. Or they can go to YouTube and look for Sam Shamoon, Jesus or Muhammad show. Like you said, David and I, David Wood and I do these shows for the last six years. The Lord willing, hopefully it'll resume again. And if they're interested in, in partnering with me, they can do so by emailing me. If you go to the website, answering-islam, Dot org. Type in Sam Shimon, 
individual author establishment. When my email is right there. They can contact me, and I can tell them, provide them further information. But I do cherish their prayers for my family and I that the Lord will continue to use us for His glory. Amen, amen. And I really encourage everyone who's listening to um, take Sam up on his word, uh, go and read, and be blessed by the material that you are going to discover, whether uh, audio material, video material, or written material. So, uh, Lord, uh, bless our brother here, and uh, we're thankful for uh, your time and uh, your willingness to share this knowledge with all of us. And one of the things I like about Sam, he never hoards the knowledge, but rather he is uh, freely uh, willing to dispense it to others. But uh, my prayer is that those who are listening to it will utilize it to the glory of God. Uh, if you've been listening to uh, this uh, show, this is Let Us Read uh, Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi, and the show today was about the Quran. Was it created or is it an uncreated? And how does it relate to the person and the essence of God, uh, the God of Islam? And then we'll talk about this next week as well, and we'll lead that to the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until we meet again, have a blessed week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 